All right, welcome to another episode of Fend for Yourself Friday. Uh, this is my first ever full mailbag episode. It's sort of dedicated to Thanksgiving in a way, um, but also has a lot of random questions that I completely appreciate. Um, I answer about 10 to 15 questions. I think five of them came from Jordy and Lauren. Uh, the last question takes about 12, 15 minutes to explain, but I promise it's worth it. Uh, this podcast is sort of a rush job. I was planning on having more time until I realized that I promised it would be released Wednesday morning. And also, on Wednesday night, Allie and I are going to see the Nutcracker at the Kennedy Center. Super excited to see that. Never seen the Nutcracker before. Never seen a ballet before. Uh, but I can't wait to go. So we're going to do that tomorrow. Um, big weekend as far as UND hockey is concerned. Friday and Saturday versus Minnesota. Really hoping UND comes out with a big win. Um, we're going to jump right into the mailbag because I'm running short on time. So I will see you on the other side. All right. Hey, James. Uncle James, this is a question for you. Do you know who the who won the MLB World Series this year? And do you, what's your favorite Taylor Swift song? All right, Colton. You threw out two questions via voice and one question. Uh, your mom texts me later. I'll take care of that one first. Who do I think is going to win the NBA championship this year? I'm going to be honest with you, I have no idea. Uh, I don't really follow the NBA in any way, but I hear that Steph Curry's having a good season, so we'll go ahead and pick the Golden State Warriors. Please, nobody make any sort of wagers on my advice because I truly don't know anything about the NBA. As far as who won the, the Major League Baseball Championship this year, I absolutely do know who won uh, the MLB Championship this year. Uh, that would be the team of my youth, the Atlanta Braves. I spent many a night uh, sorrow uh, in sorrow uh, growing up with uh, my neighbor Trevor, watching the Braves not pull off a world championship from the time I was about eight until I guess the time that I was 35-ish, um, when the Braves finally again won the World Series. Now, I don't keep up with it the way that I do, uh, the way that I did as a child. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, I sent out a tweet the next day that said, uh, 11-year-old James is elated. Uh, that is true. My younger self would have been extremely happy that the Braves finally uh, won a world championship after I think it was the 1995 World Series. And the other question is, what is my favorite Taylor Swift song? Uh, I can't say it's a landslide because I do enjoy a lot of her songs, but it still has to be uh, the song Red. And I guess I'll listen to the Taylor version now, uh, but mostly that's to make Jordan happy. All right, thanks for calling in, Colton. Hi, Uncle James, this is Evelyn. I have a few questions about Taylor Swift. What is Taylor Swift's most unpopular song? And then what is your most successful song? And my favorite Taylor Swift song is Take It Off. Okay, that was my niece, Emily, that just called in. And she had a couple of questions regarding which one of Taylor Swift's songs are the most successful and the most popular. Now, sort of by a landslide, uh, Shake It Off from her 1989 album is the most popular song she's ever produced as far as I shouldn't say popular, uh, as far as economic success is concerned. 
according to Billboard, it spent four weeks as the number one song in the country, which is a very long time. And it also spent nearly six months in the top ten. Uh, if you remember that year, I think it was 2014, according to the internet, that song was on all the time, and it continues to have commercial success in commercials, uh, at stadiums. Try and go to a sporting event and not hear Shake It Off. Uh, you probably won't. So that's definitely her most successful song. As far as popularity is concerned, um, all the Swifties in my life are going to tell you it's all too well. She just released a 10-minute version of All Too Well and actually sang all 10 minutes of it on Saturday Night Live. It was captivating enough that I watched the entire performance uh, and didn't check my cell phone for an entire 10 minutes. So All Too Well is definitely her most popular song. It also just broke uh, the record for longest song to ever reach number one, uh, Beating American Pie which is an extremely old song that you should definitely listen to. And I'm also glad to hear that Shake It Off is your favorite song, Emmeline. It would be in my top five favorite Taylor Swift songs, but like I told your brother, uh, Red is my favorite Taylor Swift song. It was great hearing from you and your brother, and hope to see you guys soon. Hey, James. Question coming in hot for the pod. <laughs> um, I feel like my office has a lot of unwritten rules, so I'm curious... Does your office have any unwritten rules, not in the policy book, that you're willing to share? All right, Katie, great question. Here, here's my answer. When it comes to unwritten rules at the office, I don't really worry about anybody else's, but my biggest unwritten rule is do not make the job of the cleaning staff any more difficult. People who do, or are on the cleaning staff work hard every day, um, they spend hours a day cleaning up the messes of other people. They take great pride in their work, and they do an amazing job. Specifically for my building, I can't say for anybody else's, but I assume they all work hard. Uh, please pick up after yourself. If you try to throw a paper towel in the garbage and miss, go ahead and pick it up. It's really not that difficult. Uh, if you spill on the floor, like I spilled coffee today, I grabbed paper towels, and I wiped it up. Also, we have recycling in our building, and one of our cleaning people goes above and beyond and actually takes plastic out of the trash and puts it in the recycling. They're all right there. So please, if you have recycling in your building, just use it. And great job by the people at my building. They do an amazing job. So that's my specific unwritten rule. Also, Katie, I'd like to know, uh, go ahead and send in what the unwritten rules are for your office. I would love to hear what unwritten rules in Bismarck are all about. All right. Thank you to Katie, Colton, and Emmeline for their audio uh, questions. Now we're going to take a quick break before we get into the written portion of the mailbag. So this question comes from Megan. That would be Colton and Emmeline's mother. Uh, she wants to know who makes better pies, her or Mama J or myself and her husband, Tyler. This question comes back uh, from probably almost 10, 12 years ago when we were at their house for 4th of July and we had a pie baking contest. Now, I've only really ever made one pie in my entire life. That's not entirely true. Ellie and I have cooked a couple of pies. Mostly she's the lead on those because she's a lot more patient and better at reading directions than I am, amongst a myriad of other things. Uh, but in this specific case, I don't remember their pie. 
And I do remember our pie because we poured Crown Royal into ours and I also made lattice on it, uh, Tyler and I did. I'm not sure if you guys did or not. So I'm going to say we make better pie. At least that day we made better pie. And I've never had another pie contest with you guys. So good job by me and also Tyler. All right, Matt, thank you for sending me a message over text after I specifically reached out to you asking if you had a question for me. Uh, Matt's question is, what's my next vehicle going to be? It's decidedly going to be a 2022 Volvo V90 rechargeable hybrid. I have a personal love affair with the Volvo cars because I think they're beautiful and they're also Scandinavian, just like I am. The Volvo V90 is a massive station wagon. Uh, our neighbors growing up had a station wagon. I love a station wagon. They're incredibly roomy. Allie and I are both very tall. And the thing about station wagons, which is my entire selling point, is they have fold-down rear seats, and the dog can jump in easily and jump out just as easy. Really, this car isn't for me as much as it's for my beloved dog, Miley. So everybody go ahead, look for the Volvo V90 Recharge um, at your local Volvo dealership. Uh, and then tell me if you see one, because I drive by our Volvo dealership like once a week. Um, and I've never seen one there. They might only be available in Europe, uh, but don't think that will stop me, even though it probably will. Um, so it's not the most likely vehicle that will be my next car, but as far as my dreams are concerned, my next car is the Volvo V90 Recharge. Matthew, thank you, and I would love to know what your next car is going to be. I really hope it is a very fancy Sprinter van that's converted into a RV. All right, this one comes from my sister Paige. She has two questions. The first one being, who's a messier chef? Me or my dad, who was the feature of the Dear Old Dad podcast, which I cleverly spelled D-E-E-R. Uh, unfortunately, this year I got the news my dad did not get a deer. That's okay. Um, my uncle did, so good job, Kurt. Who's a messier cook, me or dad? I'm going to say it. Talked about it before, I think. It's definitely going to be my dad. Uh, at my parents' house, my dad is known to make a mess and then sort of transfer cleaning up the mess to my mom, uh, who is a very good sport, who always wants to make sure everything is taken care of before she sits down. Uh, that's a trait in my mother's family. Make sure everybody else is taken care of. Very nice. Um, so I'm definitely going to say my dad is a bigger mess maker, even though I sometimes can push it to the limit. I, I still think he's more willing to use a, a utensil once and then put it in the sink. Uh, my, her second question is, favorite fend-for-yourself Friday meal? Uh, for me, it's hands down Popeyes. Popeyes is the definition of fend for yourself. Uh, it is my favorite fast food restaurant. It has the best chicken all the way around. Um, Allie's not a very big fan, so it's the definition of fend for yourself. Um, five piece chicken strip, blackened ranch, side of fries, regular Coke, because their Coke is already like 40 ounces. Um, absolutely delicious, 10 out of 10. Popeyes is the best fend for yourself Friday meal. Sometimes I order that with my friend Mike if we're watching soccer or another sporting event. I'll go over to his house and I'll just look at him and I'll say, Are we ordering Popeyes tonight? 
And the answer is just about always yes. Chicken strips abound. Oh, and one more thing. Um, on a previous podcast, I talked about the fruit snacks falling on Miley. Uh, my nephew, William, wanted to know, was I actually talking about fruit snacks that day? I was. Uh, I do very much enjoy fruit snacks. They're my favorite childlike snack. I also want to go ahead and wish you happy birthday, William. Allie and I want to say uh, happy third birthday, and we hope you enjoy the gift. All right, hope to see you guys soon. Bye. Got two questions coming in from Bismarck. Uh, well, actually, this will be our third, second and third question because Katie's also in Bismarck, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, these come from our friend Jensie. She has two and a half questions. The first question she has is, what is your favorite Thanksgiving side? Easy answer. My favorite Thanksgiving side is Knife River corn. It is a type of corn that my dad or mom uh, hijacked from Gaber's family. Um, it's four cans of corn, one stick of butter, a container or like a flat, whatever you want to call it, a cardboard package uh, full of the good sour or sour cream. I'm sorry, the good Philadelphia cream cheese, not sour cream, Philadelphia cream cheese, and then a can of uh, hatched chilies or green chilies. You put it all together. You put that crock pot on low for like an hour, maybe an hour and a half. You stir it up. You can also put it in the microwave for like seven minutes and you have absolutely delicious corn. You've taken corn from a, I'm going to say the forgettable side to absolutely delicious. Every time I bring it somewhere, it gets eaten up immediately. I brought it to our friends giving this week. It was pretty much the only thing that got licked clean. Um, that's an exaggeration, but not too much of an exaggeration. Knife River corn is so good uh, that one of my cousin's husbands uh, was at my parents' house probably almost 15 years ago now, and my mom dropped the Knife River corn coming out of the microwave, and it fell on the ground. I hope I'm not calling anybody out here. But Luke took a spoon and was ready to go, like, eat some of it from off the floor. Not the part that touched the floor, but the part of the corn that was above the corn touching the floor. That's how good Knife River corn is. Jensie's second question is kind of a two-parter. Uh, first of all, I gave her the first part of the question, and she asked me the second part. Uh, Jensie's famous for what are called chore beers. Chore beers are a thing that you have when you're having a chore. Um, she wants to know, when is it appropriate for a chore beer? She also sent me her answer, and her answer for when is a chore beer appropriate is always. Very hard to disagree with that. Um, I consider chore beers specifically applicable to mowing the lawn. Um, maybe laying down some mulch. Anything outside is definitely worth a chore beer. Um, I've been expanding my chore beer realm to like folding clothes. It's not so uh, helpful while cleaning because they got this beer carrying around and, and I'm uh, definitely going to spill it. I actually made a... No, I'll tell that in a second. Um, but chore beers are relevant anytime the chore doesn't involve moving the vehicle. If you are stationary in your home, chore beers are 100% um, appropriate. Where the second part of this question comes in, she also wants to know, how do chore beers fall in with Christmas decorating? Again, chore beers are 100% supported while decorating for Christmas. This weekend, 
I hung up all of our Christmas lights outside. And this is where you got to be careful. Short beers are not authorized until your Christmas lights are hung. And here's why. Inevitably, one of the lights is going to be out. And you're going to have to take the car to the Lowe's or to the Home Depot, get more lights, and come home. So just hold off on a chore beer until you're sure you have enough lights. Safety first. Uh, this weekend, I actually had a chore coffee which is where I put a little bit of Baileys in it. And like I said before about cleaning and spilling, uh, I put too much Baileys in my coffee, even though it wasn't that much Baileys, but my coffee was that full, uh, that I got filled to the brim and I went to grab it and knocked it over. And not all the coffee spilled because of my cat-like reflections. And I grabbed that mug and pulled it up before it spilled all over the place. But enough of it spilled, and this is the first time Allie's hearing about it. So sorry for spilling the coffee with the Baileys in it, but I also cleaned it up right away. And nobody was the wiser because I made sure it wasn't even sticky. So those are my views on chore beers. Thank you for that question, Jensi. This next question comes from listener Jeremy. Uh, he wants to say, it's not really a question as much as an email. He sent to my 58225curling at gmail.com. Uh, Jeremy said, I want to register a team for the upcoming bond spiel that I heard about on that fantastic pod. First of all, Jeremy, thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for enjoying the podcast. I talked to the co-star of the last podcast, Tom, uh, just yesterday. He said you told him he ran into a uh, you ran into a local celebrity. I agree, Tom, as a local celebrity, he did a great job. I definitely appreciate you listening to the podcast. And as far as uh, registering for the Uckling Bonspiel, I'm going to go ahead and forward this to Tom telephonically because I don't trust Tom checks his email. That coming from the person who created an email for him and he never checked. Um, I'll make sure that gets over to Tom. Also, Jeremy is the previous owner of an absolutely amazing early 90s, maybe late 80s era Plymouth station wagon. Part of where my love of station wagons began with was uh, Jeremy's station wagon growing up. So thanks for listening, Jeremy, and hope you're making that bond spiel. Good luck. The next question here comes in from Twitter follower and podcast listener, Vobonomics. Uh, Vobe wants to know... Of these three places, eat at once a week, eat at twice a week, never eat at again. The options are Rhombus Guides, Red Pepper, the Parrot's K. The first one's the one that I'm going to eliminate from my palate straight from the beginning, and that's Rhombus Guys. Uh, we had the Rhombus Guys several times when Allie and I first dated. It's one of our first dates. I actually made a picture frame of our Grand Forks hotspots. And the Rhombus Guys cheesy bread was on that picture collage. Um, Rhombus Guys is good, but it's not one of one. It's not necessarily unique. Now, although their cheesy bread is delicious and their tater tot hot dish pizza is amazing, pizza is common basically everywhere. It's in no way a regional dish. Um, there's plenty of other good pizza in Grand Forks. called 746 Pops or Papalino's Pizza. You can do a Papa Murphy's Take and Bake. We don't even have Take and Bakes out here. You can get them from like Sam's Club or Walmart or something like that, but I wish we had a Papa Murphy's. We don't. Um, up north, we could go to, we could order a Deke's Pizza late at night. There are pizza options. Rhombus Guys is my favorite Grand Forks pizza option. Ooh, that's actually, that's actually tough. Um, depending on who I'm with, spending a mid to late afternoon uh, with Tom 
at the Mike's Pizza Pizza Buffet is probably my favorite pizza establishment in Grand Forks. Just sit there, hammer pizza, two, three hours, um, do a terrible job playing the Trivial Pursuit game. Man, there's also Happy Joe's Pizza Buffet. Normally we'd go there with Steve and Brock, um, sometimes Tom as well. And there's also the Pizza Hut Pizza Buffet that I would frequent in Grand Forks, normally with a virtual golf partner, Matt. And there's Grafton Pizza Hut Buffet, which is no longer open anymore, uh, that I would frequent with Tom and Steve. And we could really put away almost an entire pizza or two pizzas a piece um, at the Pizza Hut Buffet. So no, I'm sorry, Rhombus guys, you are the first one out. The place I would eat at once a week is the Parrot's K. Wednesday at the Parrot's K, uh, it used to be a pitcher of beer and a pound of wings for, I think, like 12, 14 bucks, something like that. Parrot's K is amazing. Um, I'll never forget my brother-in-law Micah's six-day-in-a-row trip to the Parrot's K, where he ate Parrot's K every day. It was open for an entire week. Uh, it wasn't open on Sundays then, I don't think, so he ate there six days in a row, which was a horrifying and also amazing streak. Um, for me, Parrot's K is a once-a-week place. Uh, one time I was eating there with uh, my friend Kyle, and we were sat at a table with another group, which is why one of the reasons I only go to Parrot's K once a week. Um, and I thought they said, go ahead and try some, but what they actually said is, you should try some, insinuating that I should order my own order and not stick my finger on their plate uh, and take sauce off their plate with my finger and then lick it. They were appropriately horrified. Uh, to this day, I can't believe I did that. Kyle can't believe I did that, but it did happen. I have to own it. Parrot's K is a 10 out of 10. It is one of one. The only wings that I've ever found, ever, that even remotely hold a candle to it is Jimmy's Old Town Tavern in downtown Herndon, Virginia. Absolutely delicious as well. But Parrot's K is still better. The wings are better, and also there's blackjack. I always used to like to play a uh, $25 in blackjack to try to win my supper. Uh, normally what happened is I ended up paying for supper twice because I lost my blackjack money. But Parrot's K is one I would never take off my menu. I'm going on an ice fishing trip to Devil's Lake in January, and one of my goals is to keep the group in Grand Forks long enough for the Parrot's K to open up. But that's my goal. The place I would eat at twice a week, three, four, five times a week is the Red Pepper. Two soft shell Snyders, I'm sorry, three soft shell Snyders, two cheese tostadas, a side of white sauce, and a glass of milk. That is a meal I could eat numerous times a week. Uh, in college, I did. Now that I live in Northern Virginia, I don't get back to the Red Pepper more than maybe once or twice a year. So when I go there, I have to gorge myself, which means I order two soft shell Snyders, two cheese tostadas, and a whole everything grinder. It's really way too much food, but when you get the opportunity to eat at an establishment voted as by Esquire as America's best late night dining in America, you have to go all out. So the answer to that is, never eat it again, rhombus guys, eat it once a week. And I'll be honest, I changed this question a little bit. Um, is the Parrot's K and eat it multiple times a week? Red pepper, hands down. Uh, thank you, Bobonomics. And next time we're at a UND destination game, I will be sure to meet up with you to buy you that beer we missed in Nashville. This question comes from listener Brittany. She wants to know when is too early to decorate for Christmas. Uh, my answer to this question 
has moved up in recent years. I would have said after Thanksgiving before uh, the last two years, but now I'm going to say mid-November. Uh, anytime after November, I'll even say 12th, depending on the weekend, is totally fine to get Christmas up. Um, make it as bright as you want it. This year I've got an extra tree full of bright colored lights, as I prefer. Uh, and we'll put the primary tree upstairs with Allie's classy clear lights. Our next set of questions, uh, I've got four of them, uh, from Jay Rhodes. Jay Rhodes asks, red vines, Twizzlers, or nibs? Never really had red vines very much, so it's definitely going to be between Twizzlers and nibs. And since Twizzlers makes the pull and peel, which is the most ridiculous form of licorice on the planet, uh, I'm going to have to pick the uh, Twizzlers because there's no reason for you to be able to pull apart these licorice things into really thin strips. It's almost like string cheese candy, which now that I say it is very gross to think about. Uh, but I really like the Twizzlers pull and peel. Nibs are great on car rides. Uh, but I really like pulling apart a Twizzlers or just taking an entire package and eating a few of them. So definitely Twizzlers gets the number one answer there. Uh, next question is worst commute ever. It says Drayton Curve is obvious, but add another. Uh, the worst commute I've ever been a part of is my wife's commute. Um, Al used to leave our house at like 6.15, 6.30-ish uh, when we were going to the gym in the morning. So she would get home, she'd go to the gym at 5, work out till 6, come home, shower, get to the bus by 6.45, um, take the bus into D.C., work all day, and then get back on the bus at night. The problem was, uh, first of all, the bus in D.C. would drive through the entire city for her to get back out. So there were many nights she would spend over two hours, almost three hours on the bus driving through D.C. traffic. Now, again, she's still riding and not driving, but she wouldn't always get a seat. They're overcrowded. People at the end of the day are smelly. Um, there's a bathroom, but I guess the etiquette on the bus is to not use it, even though there's no way I would have been able to make it. And then after she went on this two, two and a half, almost three hour bus commute, um, she'd end up at the Leesburg Park and Ride, which is still 15 minutes from our house on the world's darkest road, Cyclone Road. Uh, she eventually started taking Battlefield. This is very specific Virginia talk. Um, but Allie's commute to and from downtown D.C. was by far the worst commute I've ever been a part of. Opening presents on the 24th or 25th. This is a compromise that Allie and I just struck uh, basically last year. It's a new tradition that I really enjoy. We open the presents that my family gives us on the 24th and the rest of our presents on the 25th, which really is a perfect compromise. It spreads out the present opening over two days. Um, we're able to enjoy the gifts from my family on the 24th and then enjoy the gifts that we give each other or that we get from her family on the 25th. Um, honestly, it's one of my favorite holiday traditions that Allie and I have started. Uh, very, very fun to do it that way, to split them up. Makes everything a little bit more fun. The fourth and final question I'm going to tie in uh, from Jay Rhodes and then into our friend Max. Uh, his question is, how bad is the Gopher hockey team? Now, this is sort of a relative question. I think they were ranked like number 11 um, in the coaches poll this week. Uh, according to the pairwise, they are number 18. 
Um, UND is number two right now. Please note, don't ever pay attention to the college hockey rankings. The coaches don't know anything, um, at least compared to the computer. The only thing in college hockey that matters is the pairwise. I encourage you all to disregard everything else because come the Ides of March, the only thing that matters is the pairwise, and the coaches' poll means absolutely nothing. So this week, UND, number two in the country, per the pairwise, will be playing the University of Minnesota, number 18, in the pairwise. Um, how bad is the Minnesota team? I haven't seen them play this year. I would guess they're actually probably pretty good. They're in the top third of the country as far as pairwise is concerned. Um, right now they're on the bubble, but uh, the experts will say don't pay attention to the pairwise until at least December. Since I am not an expert, um, I'm going to pay only attention to that. They're number 18, so I would like to see UND um, at least get a win or a tie. But as far as good is concerned, um, they are good. They're just my least favorite team. Um, that being said, I do miss us playing them. I miss the old WCHA. I used to hate them. Uh, my passionate hate for the University of Minnesota's hockey team has since cooled as I've gotten older. Um, I don't really know why I hated them. It was just fun to pretend that you hate something, I guess. I wish no, no ill will on any of them. I would strongly prefer the University of Minnesota gets beat soundly in both games. As, as far as like our history with the University of Minnesota, um, we've seen good times, we've seen bad times. It's a long-running rivalry. Definitely the worst day of uh, not my life, but it's the day I call the darkest day. I took a very important test that morning, came home, and then we played the University of Minnesota in the regional semifinals in Philadelphia. Now, previously mentioned my friend Kyle was there. He's from Minnesota. Um, he knows nothing about college hockey. But he loves Minnesota, so he went. And UND lost with .7 seconds left. I'll never forget it. Um, a bunch of my friends were over. Jordy, I think Brandon was there. Uh, my in-laws came in right at the end. Um, my father-in-law wanted UND to pull the goalie with like five seconds left, which I, I cannot stress is not a good strategy in this case. Um, don't pull the goalie, but UND loses the faceoff draw. Minnesota brings it back, uh, scores the game winner with 0.7 seconds left. I call it the darkest day. It was absolutely horrible. Hated everything about it. But like I said, our friends were there. Jordy was there. Brandon was there. And uh, our friend Max, who the next questions are going to come from, was actually at my house as well. It was an apartment at the time. And as soon as Minnesota scored, he, of course, celebrated, as he should, uh, and he spilled the beer all over my couch. It, in no way was anybody mad at him. It was clearly an accident. The icing on the cake of a terrible day. Now, I, nobody begrudges him for it. It wasn't totally an accident. Could have happened to anybody. Uh, it was just actually quite ironic that as soon as they scored, a beer got spilled. So really no big deal, but it was very funny. Again, I've since given up my hatred for pretty much everything. I would prefer the University of North Dakota beats the University of Minnesota this weekend very soundly, though. Uh, this is what we call a transition in the podcast game. So I worked in Max before into a UND Minnesota hockey memory. I'm going to spin off for just one second. Bad transition by me. We went to the Frozen or the Final Five um, when I was like a sophomore or junior in college, and some drunk Gopher fans uh, were very good. My buddy's dad. And they also spilled 
spittoon of chew on the back of the white jacket my mom got me. Didn't appreciate that. Do, to this day, do not appreciate people being rude to Chris. And do not appreciate people spilling chew on my jacket. Uh, shout out to Jordy and JJ's Aunt Susie for washing it for me. The jacket recovered, but that was very gross. In no way do I hold the entire Minnesota fan base accountable for that. Uh, but the person who was rude to Chris and the person who spilled chew spit on my jacket, that was not very nice. And I don't appreciate it. All right, back to my transition after my rant. Um, gopher fan and friend, um, fantasy football player, guy I played last week, Max has a couple of questions. His first question, um, I don't necessarily totally understand it, which makes me like it even more. So he says, you have eight hours to eat either eight sticks of butter or drink eight cups of yak milk salted tea. And you can't melt the butter into anything. I love the fact that he sent a second tweet to clarify. Um, I'm going to have to drink the yak milk salted tea. Eight cups is like 64 ounces. That's a lot of yak milk tea. Um, but I think I can take that down over an entire day. Wake up in the morning, slam one. Again, I don't like things that are very hot, so I'm just going to cool it down. So I, I think I can take down eight cups of whatever that is. Apparently it's some sort of a, a delicacy according to the quick Google search I did about it. So I'll definitely take the, the uh, yak milk tea in that situation. The other question is, is one of my favorite questions of the entire day. Uh, it's topical. It's relevant. It was more topical last week when I promised the podcast was going to come out. Um, this is based on the great success of Dots Pretzels selling to Hershey's. So the question he has for me, you sell your podcast to Hershey's for $1.2 billion. What's your first purchase? Great question. Totally plausible. Hershey, I, the ball's in your court. I'm willing to sell. I would gladly take $1.2 billion for the podcast. So the, like I said, the ball's in your court. First thing I buy. First thing I buy is a lake house at Deep Creek Lake in Maryland. The second thing I do is buy a lake house at Lake Metagoshi, North Dakota. The third thing I do is buy a reasonable house on the beach in North Carolina. Uh, our friends invited us to North Carolina to their beach house in er, late, late May this year, early May. In May, anyway. Absolutely beautiful. If you ever get the chance to go to the Outer Banks of North Carolina, take it. It is a great vacation. Um, those are the first things I'm going to buy. And the fourth thing I'm going to buy is a Volvo V90 Recharge plug-in hybrid so I can drive between my lake houses uh, and my beach house. Max, great question. I really appreciate it. Uh, and I hope you have a terrible weekend. College hockey involved. Everything else, I hope you have a great weekend. I just hope when North Dakota plays Minnesota, North Dakota wins, and everything else in your weekend is amazing. All right, thanks to all those folks who uh, sent in questions. Take one more break here before I answer the questions from Jordy and Lauren. All right, our last set of questions come from Jordan and Lauren. Um, this Jordan is what I would call my Jordan. Uh, Jordan, the star of the Nintendo 64 and Peloton podcast. Not to be confused with Allie's Jordan, the star of the Taylor Swift Red podcast. Uh, first of all, bad news for my Jordan. Allie's Jordan has now taken the lead with the most listened to podcast. The Peloton N64 pod is sitting at 79 listens, 
Well, the Taylor Swift Jordan pod with my wife, Allie, is at 85 listens. So we're going to bring Jordy back on to get those numbers back up. Um, these next several questions um, are from Jordy, and some of them are from Lauren. The first question, would you rather chew gum or ride in an elevator and why? Anybody who knows me knows, well, I shouldn't say anybody knows me, but two of my biggest quirks are the fact that, yes, I am terrified of elevators. Um, I'm basically terrified from anything where the doors close and there are no windows. Several years ago, when I was like 10, I got locked into my grandparents' upstairs bedroom when the door handle fell off. Um, instead of acting rationally, I acted irrationally, uh, ripped a mirror off the door and smashed on the ground, exacerbating the problem because now there was broken glass between us and our only means of escape. Uh, I encouraged my cousin Robin to jump out the window and then run back upstairs and let me in or let me out. Uh, bad job by me. Um, and basically any time from then on, anytime a door won't open, instead of acting rationally, I panic. Um, or chewing gum. Uh, gum disgusts me. It revolts me. The smell of it makes me nauseous. I hate everything about it. That being said, I would definitely rather ride in an elevator than chew gum. I have never chewed gum since I was like four years old. I think it was a combination of my mom wanting me to chew gum so my ears didn't pop and also being in a terrifying storm in an airplane. Uh, we had terrible turbulence. I was like four years old. So I think I can bind the terror of that first plane ride with the taste of gum or the smell of it. So I've had a very strong um, negative reaction to gum for the rest of my life. So the answer is clear. I ride in elevators all the time. Um, I don't like it at all, ever. Specifically in like, not a Howard Johnson, like a Hampton Inn elevator where it like, it's pretty nice, but also you, there's like 10 people there. Those terrify me. Um, but I ride in elevators all the time because they're necessary or at least a lot easier. Um, the UND music building elevator. I rode in that with Tom when we were in college and I almost, well, I did panic. I almost completely lost it because really slow elevators are the scariest of them all because I can't tell if they're moving or not. Um, I swear I almost had a heart attack. I was legitimately freaking out for the entire like 60 second ride. I couldn't figure out why it wasn't moving. Turns out it was moving just very slowly. Um, but no gum is, I would never chew gum. There's really not an amount of money that would get, make me do it. Um, at least that anybody wants to pay me for 1.2 billion. I would, um, but no, I loathe gum. I hate everything about it. Elevators over gum every time. Next question is, what song not named Party in the USA is your favorite? Party in the USA is my theme song. Anytime I'm at a bar or a restaurant that has a one of those touch tune players, um, I'll play Party in the USA. It's a crowd pleaser pretty much every single time. Everybody loves it. It gets people excited. It gets people going. It's the one time I ever sang karaoke. I sang that song at a friend's birthday. Um, I did not sign up for it because even though I have a gorgeous podcasting voice, I'm a terrible singer. Absolutely awful. So, so bad. Uh, my friend signed me up to sing Party in the USA at like a birthday party, but they call me up, they start playing Party in the USA, and I start singing at this local bar, 
and this is not an exaggeration. Anybody who was there can attest to this. Pretty much anybody who wasn't in our group got up and left the bar. People were legitimately walking out while I was singing uh, my favorite song, Party in the USA. Um, so that's a different thing about me singing karaoke. Not necessarily that relevant, but that's okay. You don't listen to this podcast for relevance. Uh, my favorite song, probably of all time, is going to have to be Bob Dylan's Tangled Up in Blue. Um, one of the songs that I play the most if I'm sitting at my house and I've got Alexa all to myself calling out songs. Really big Bob Dylan fan. Have always been a big Bob Dylan fan. So I'm going to give my favorite song of all time um, to Tangled Up in Blue. Favorite album of all time is going to be Nirvana's Nevermind. Uh, it's the first album I really bought by myself. Uh, people are going to be surprised it's not a Taylor Swift album, but uh, it's probably Nirvana's Nevermind. Not by a ton, um, but song for song, I have listened to Nevermind the most. Uh, it was one of the songs I had when I cut grass at the golf course. Uh, it's only about 45 minutes long, so I've listened to it many, many times. The next question I've got says, this is, this is definitely from Jordy. I just got the worst haircut of my life. Have you ever had a bar- bad haircut? Yes. You are aware I've had bad haircuts. I've gotten lots of bad haircuts. Uh, I have lots of hair, which is, I guess, good. People like hair. Um, and I have lots of it. The problem with my hair is it's extremely coarse and very dry. It really only does one thing, and that's get poofy. And it gets poofier and poofier. It never really grows down. It just grows out like a dandelion. Um, It's extremely dry and very difficult to cut. And I was never very consistent after high school as to where I would go for a haircut. So many times I would just show up at the local uh, walk-in haircut place and get what my mom would call affectionately a dumb haircut. Um, There were many times I got a haircut and she would, would come to the car I would see her next and she would just say, you got a dumb haircut. You got another dumb haircut. She wasn't wrong. I was very bad at describing how I wanted my haircut. I also have a very large forehead uh, that's got a little ridge in it, which I'm fine with. No problem. My hair is my head. Um, so it's got to be cut right. So yes, Jordy, I've gotten a lot of dumb haircuts or bad haircuts as you call them. Next question says, Thanksgiving and Christmas are right around the corner. What are some of your favorite holiday traditions? So, have a lot of favorite holiday traditions for Thanksgiving and Christmas. It's been harder to get back home from my parents' big Thanksgiving. Uh, that's one of my all-time favorite, favorite traditions. Uh, it started when I was about in the 6th or 7th grade. Um, my cousins would come the night before, or some of my cousins, and the rest of my family would come the next day. Uh, we had both my mom and my dad's side at my parents' house. Uh, it was a great tradition. I, I miss it very much, and hopefully it can start up again soon and we can get back for, back for a Thanksgiving here in the next year or so. Not going to make it this year. Um, hopefully in the next coming years we'll be able to make it. Uh, holiday traditions moving forward. I Like I said before, I really like the tradition that Allie and I have of opening uh, presents from my family on the 24th, uh, her family on the 25th. I also like that we sort of have a fun new tradition where we make fondue on Christmas Eve night. Um, love making a fondue. It makes a giant mess. But it's really fun to cook the meats in the boiling uh, cheese or the boiling wine. Again, again, growing up, we would go to my 
dad's side of the family, like on the 24th around like three o'clock. And then my mom's side of the family, um, later in the night on the 24th. And then the 25th, we'd have Christmas day, uh, at my grandma and grandpa Brecken's house. That was a great tradition. I, I definitely miss that. Um, I do, again, um, like some of our Virginia traditions as well. We, we like to keep our Christmas Day pretty low-key. Um, we will probably not cook here on the 25th, which is a tradition I really enjoy. Uh, we'll put on movies. Last year we watched an entire movie marathon of all the Lord of the Rings movies. So the traditions Ellie and I have started together um, are also very, uh, very important and very special to me. Jordi or Lauren's next question, I mean, I guess this one comes from Lauren, is what is on your Christmas wish list? Well, uh, I asked my mom and dad for a ice fishing rod. I asked Alia for a Nintendo Switch. Because during the Nintendo 64 podcast, we discussed the ability to play Mario Kart together again. And you informed me that you can get a Nintendo Switch and we can play each other in Mario Kart over the internet anytime we want. I would really like to have that ability. I've also made some allusions to really wanting a Peloton. Um, they're very expensive. I would ride it, though, if I got one. Your final question is the question of the podcast. It's really not even close. It's extremely accurate. I did an unbelievable amount of thinking in order to answer this question. Uh, and here it goes. You have a knack for getting yourself into weird and uncomfortable situations. Why do you think that is? And what's the weirdest situation you've ever been in that's safe for the podcast? Really great answer at the end. That's safe for the podcast. Um, there are weirder stories I would tell you in person. But the first part of it is, is well, second part of it is, why do you think that is? Uh, part of it is because I talk a lot and I'm not afraid to talk to people even when I should be. That's definitely why. Um, I take risks that are stupid, like not dangerous, but things that other people wouldn't do, like become an umpire for adult softball. That's, I still haven't quite decided which story I'm going to tell. So I'm going to tell you two. The first one I'm going to tell you is the adult softball story. So uh, you, in this case, Jordy, I'm talking to specifically, was living with me and your brother in Grand Forks in the summer of 2007. And if you ever met me in college, I wasn't that passionate about working. So I decided that I wanted to work two hours a night and thought the best way to do that was to be an adult league softball umpire. Now, in order to be an adult league softball umpire, to take a test. Now, the softball rules test is open book. And although I'm not the world's strongest reader, that is true, uh, I can pass an open book softball test. So I take the open book softball test, and congratulations, you're an adult softball umpire in Grand Forks. Now, the money is, like, okay. I think it's $50 for the first game and $50 for the second game, something like that. It ends up almost being $100 a night. And this is now almost 50, it's 15 years ago. So it's pretty good money. It is not worth it. I cannot describe to you how awful of a job this is. So the first couple nights go off without a hitch. Um, the biggest thing you have to know about adult softball 
is one of three things happen. Either, well, there's one of three kinds of people that play at least men's softball. People who are there to get way too intoxicated, people who take it way too seriously, or people who don't know what they're doing. Now, there can be levels of all three in one person, but it gets super intense because the people who are very good and are taking it seriously tend to take it way too seriously. Um, You also get people in there with big-time tempers. So probably four or five weeks into doing it, it's going okay, and I'm kind of enjoying it. Uh, Until one night when the local bar plays the local health facility in a game of softball. Now, you would assume that the health facility would be mature, and that the bar would be slightly less mature, but still tolerable. You would be wrong. Um, I'm upping this game, and nobody knows how to call balls and strikes. And the other thing is, if you're an adult beer league softball, swing the bat. Nobody wants to watch you walk over and over again. Just swing. It's not that important. Well, the game is sort of close. The bar is ahead by one or two runs. When I get a complaint from the healthcare facility's second base person, literally whining, the guy on second keeps picking on me, he keeps saying nasty things, you need to do something. Well, here's the problem. First of all, you're all adults. I am 21, you guys are older by a significant margin. Uh, Second of all, I can't hear what he's saying from behind home plate. I have no idea the awful or not-so-awful things that the horrible runner at second base is saying to the second baseman um, for the softball game. Okay, A couple pitches go. All of a sudden, they start pushing. The bench is clear, and there's a, I'm not going to call it an all-out fight, but a legitimate dust-up between the bar in Grand Forks and the healthcare facility in Grand Forks, both of which will remain nameless, um, they are shouting, screaming, having a full-on fit for like six minutes over the second base person getting bullied by the second base runner from the bar. And as a 21-year-old, and there are 25 other adults furious at each other and also furious at you, it was a terrible situation to be in because I have no idea who to throw out. I don't really know what I can or can't do. Um, I think I threw out both players from each team, and then both sides were furious because I don't really know what happened. An absolutely, undescribably awful experience. The only bright side from that scene is I was like ancillary friends, like friends of friends, with one of the players on the team from the bar, and he was so incredibly embarrassed that every time I went to the bar when he was working, he gave me a free drink from then until I stopped going to the bar. Every time he'd walk in, he would say, I I can't believe we let that happen. He's like, it was not your fault, but I cannot believe that we got into a, like not an actual fist fight, but a screaming altercation with the local healthcare facility uh, team. It was an absolute disgrace. Now, you'd think I'd be smart enough to not go back after that, but I wasn't. I was not. I decided I'll also pick up a few games for the Grand Forks Beer League women's softball. Now, 
Beer League Women's Softball is an entirely different animal to an unbelievable degree. Because the problem you have here is you have women who are incredibly, incredibly good. Like, college softball caliber, good at softball. Or they definitely played in high school. Um, Then you have the women who are here for a good time. It's a social event. Whatever happens, happens. It's great. Then you have the group of people that are pretty much there um, for the social aspect um, plus adult beverages who do not know the rules of softball or baseball or anything in particular. So I'm umpiring this game, and it's an absolute walk fest. They have walked, each team has walked 15, 20, 25 batters. Um, They're yelling at me because the game is taking too long, but you can't really throw strikes when the ball bounces before the plate or is so far outside that nobody could reach it. So it is an absolute nightmare. Um, the, the people, the women are getting more and more upset with me for reasons to this day I don't understand. Did I do a good job? No. But this is the Grand Forks Beer League softball. You are getting the umpires you deserve. At some point in the game, a girl follows it off and it flies back and hits me in the face. Um, and both teams cheer as I fall over. I'm not really sure why. But they're both absolutely furious with me and are celebrating, relishing the fact that I got hit in the face. Now, it didn't hurt at all, but I did fall over. And, like, I was laughing because I thought it was funny uh, until the women hurt my feelings by being so mean. So as this game gets more and more progressive and deeper into the game and more and more walks, uh, a woman walks with the bases loaded so a girl gets a free pass to home. The bases are loaded. She gets halfway there, stops, and runs into the dugout. So I'm flabbergasted. I have no idea, to be honest with you, to this day. So I called her out. It has to be the right call. You can't score a run without touching home plate. So I call her out. And she's furious, and her team is furious, except for the two women on her team who know what's going on. And they're like, yeah, no, you're out. You can't, you can't do that. Well... As the night progresses, we're now like in the seventh inning or the sixth inning of the second game. So people have had enough of me um, and enough beverages. So the same woman who decides not to touch home plate doesn't swing, hasn't swung the entire night, and she gets two strikes. And in softball, you start out with one strike. So finally, I'm like, no, you're out, strike three. And she turns around and yells, you don't have no idea what you're doing. And at this point, I've lost my temper. I've had enough of these people. So I yell back at her, don't tell me I don't know what I'm doing. You could have scored on a walk and chose to be out. So then she gets mad and storms into the dugout. So her, and I think most of her team are mad at me for yelling back at her, but I could not care less. So finally, it's the bottom of the last inning. And it's a legitimate, like, two-run game. So the other team is at the bat. And frankly, I want them to win because they were being less mean. But I'm also not willing to cheat. So their best player hits it to the outfield pretty far. There's three people on base. The first lady comes in to score. They must have been down by three. Safe. The second lady comes in clearly safe. Now, 
for reasons I still don't understand, this one woman who was very good at softball and knew the rules is like plowing towards third base. Like that mattered. Like she couldn't have scored from second. She has no business going. She runs past second base when the shortstop from the other team has the ball. Now, if you've ever been to a softball game, you know there's three or four people or three or four really important positions. One of them is shortstop and one of them is third base. And it's evident from the entire day that the shortstop and the third base woman are the best players. So she decides to run from second base. I have no idea why. That's the other part about this, this game is that people are running everywhere all the time. It doesn't make any sense. You can't be in the right position because you can't predict what anybody's going to do besides the five really good players. They do everything right. Except for this time when she decides to take off to third base uh, and gets thrown out by like 40 feet. So I call her out. Um, both teams are furious and yelling at me. And I go home. I, I went back one more time. Uh, and umped one more game and then faked an injury and went home and never went back. Uh, the Grand Fork softball president or expert or umpire guy was furious I left in the middle of the game. But you know what? I don't care. Pound sand. Um, terrible job. Do not do it unless you are a very mature adult. 21-year-olds, don't do it. Um, worst job I've ever had in my entire life. That was a really long question. Uh, a really awkward situation. My heart rate is extremely high, so I'll end it on this. Um, the other most awkward situation or weird situation I ever put myself in um, was definitely at UND when I decided I was going to be a psychology major. So what happened there is I just took as many freshman-level classes as I could uh, until the fall semester of my junior year when I decided I'd better pick something. So I went to my advisor, and he comes in, and he sits me down, and he's like, all right, so uh, how are things going? And I said, you know, they're going great. I just got to decide what I'm going to do. I haven't declared a major yet. And he says, yeah, you did. I said, no, I, that never happened. He's like, no, when you transferred here as a sophomore, you said you were going to be pre-med. And I literally burst out laughing, and I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I was going to be pre-med. Um, I spent this, the first summer before I went to UND preparing for pre-med, um, by reading the book Angels and Demons um, because I thought that it was really long and if I could convince myself I could actually finish a book of that length I could be a doctor uh, because I thought my biggest hurdle to becoming a doctor was my inability to read quickly um, when to be honest the true um, the biggest hurdle for me would be math but anyway so I burst out laughing and I'm like well it's not going to be pre-med <laughs> we're not going for that so he looks at me and says well what, what do you want to do for school. And I said, well, I don't know. He said, well, it's, you know, you got to decide. So I say, well, what am I the closest to, to getting? And he types it into his little uh, computer and he comes back and says psychology. So I said, boom, I'm a psychology major. Done. And I set my class schedule up and that's how I became a psychology major. All right. That is the last question I received in my mailbag. I appreciate everybody who mailed in. Um, feel free to send in more questions. Perhaps we'll do another mailbag before Christmas. Um, as far as spending for ourselves this week, it's Thanksgiving. Hope everybody has a safe and happy Thanksgiving. Uh, I'm going to tell you guys all to fend for yourself on Friday by eating your leftovers. 
Hope everybody enjoys the UND Minnesota hockey game on Friday and Saturday night. I will definitely be watching both of those with great intensity. Um, I hope the Minnesota Gopher fans don't enjoy the result, but have a nice time anyway. I have no predictions for the game because I don't want to even start down that road of disappointment if we lose. But everybody enjoy your family. Enjoy your weekend. Um, That's all I have to say here. So thank you for listening. Thanks for the mailbag questions. And I got to say, Jordy came in with the question of the day. Next came with a second good one, but uh, the last one was the best of the day. All right, thanks. All right, just wanted to say thank you one more time to everybody who submitted a question. I want to make sure everybody has a safe and happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy your turkey. Uh, Get your brine on today or tomorrow if you're going to brine that bird. If you're going to deep fry it, do not brine it. I think that's dangerous. Uh, Just want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving, and thanks for listening. Not sure when the next episode is going to drop, uh, but hopefully it'll be in 10 or 12 days, 10 or 11 days. Math is hard. All right. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye. Again, I I can't describe how difficult it is to get that awful news um, on a day we were planning for so much joy. I was excited to get home um, and to relax the rest of my day away and and really push towards a joyous Christmas. Um, I just purchased a subscription to Consumer Reports so I could buy the safest things um, to protect our baby once it got here. We were really in the mindset that this time was going to be a success that on or around July 3rd um, we would be taking home our first child with four more embryos uh, waiting for us to move through and to bring bring home with their brother or sister. Um, All of this is extremely difficult. Um, Unfortunately, due to the current circumstances, I can't be in the office with my wife. I'm supporting her through this procedure she's going through um, that will allow the baby, um, who no longer has a heartbeat, at least in my opinion, to finally rest. For me personally, the hardest part about all of this is that um, there's a there's a baby and the wife that never got to know how much people loved it a baby that can never know how much it was cared for now there's no way to be sure the baby knows how much it it is loved and would have been loved by the people that it met. Um, I know that the baby knows that that we loved it and the people that knew we had experienced um, eight weeks of positive pregnancy loved it but I just worry
the baby will never know how much it's, it really was loved. I don't ask for much um, because I have everything, well, almost everything I could want. But I, I will ask for this, that people who listen to this um, will we'll know now that we are going to take the, the beautiful things we got for the baby, um, the pictures of the ultrasound, and there's a stocking that Allie bought. Doesn't have a name on it because we don't know uh, if, the, if it would have been a boy or a girl. And we don't have a name. So the baby doesn't have a name. Because we didn't know the gender. We're going to put those things in a box. Because it's obviously a memory that we cannot forget. And the life we truly care about, we want to know, we want the baby to know that other people cared besides us. and think about this box that we're going to get put the baby's pictures in surely we'll open it but mostly it'll be dark I don't want the baby to live forever in darkness At least the baby's memory. I know the baby's spirit is resting in heaven. But all I want is a photo with the people that do love the baby in front of their Christmas tree. And send it to us. Maybe we can put it with the baby so the baby can have light in this dark place. <laughs> so we can be surrounded by people that loved and cared about it and never got the chance to know it or to spend time with it so that it can maybe have a little bit of light in its, in its resting place. I also thought that maybe people could have a book in the picture that they donated to children so maybe the baby's light could live on in that wilderness boy. Alright. I 
don't know who will listen to this, if it'll ever even leave this recording, or if it'll just be shared with Allie and I, from this difficult time. Well, I just wanted a small, a small light for our baby. Thank you.